Your life can be full of inspiration and magic, and you don't need glass slippers to get there. Welcome to the podcast for real life heroines with author, speaker, and coach, Susanna Liller. Join us as we work with key elements of personal development to assist you in hearing the calls that life has for you. Be inspired, be empowered, and be encouraged. Let's start today's episode with your host, Susanna Liller. Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast for Real Life Heroines, where I get to, I have the privilege of the honor of interviewing real life heroines about their heroine's journey and how they got a call. And of course, we get many calls in our lives to go on journeys, but we're going to talk about one call today with my guest, Abigail Bobo. Abigail, welcome. Thank you for having me. You're such a array of joy and sunshine, and I'm really happy to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, I would say the same to you. And we're going to be talking about, in particular, how you are a curator of the light. So, but even before we go there, and and there will be more in the show notes about you, but I just want to say quickly up front that you are a commercial photographer. You're based in Nashville, Tennessee, but you travel everywhere chasing the light, following the light, looking for the light. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the technical description, um, commercial advertising photographer, art director, visual storyteller, and humanitarian who seeks to collaborate with agencies, ad agencies, corporate clients to tell their story in a very humane and honest way and in a can I just say a beautiful way so and anybody who wants to verify that your website is the place to go so which again we'll have for people so Abigail again thank you for being here and um, I'm going to sort of yeah I'm going to sort of lead you through telling your story um and I want to tell people that it's it's always interesting for me to speak to people and understand what's going to be the call that they got that um, we'll, we'll tell the story about. And you have heard on this podcast all kinds of stories about calls. And, and calls are always something that comes from within or they can come from without that gets you to say, oh, I'm going to make a change in my life. This is, something's going to happen. Am I going to pay attention to this or am I going to refuse the call? Mm -hmm. And Abigail, we're going to find out, had like, she had a call. (laughs) And we're going to talk about that. And she also did some work refusing that call. So maybe you could tell us before you had the call, what was life like? What was kind of your regular day-to-day before that um, yeah. life-changing moment? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's so many life-changing moments throughout my life, but um, I think uh, 
when, when God intersects your life, um, there's always going to be a shift in direction. Um, there's always going to be some kind of, um, even if you ignore it, even the ignoring of it causes a shift in direction. It's, he, God is uh, somewhat inescapable at the end of the day. So <laughs> right. very sneaky. Um, <laughs> but I think um, before the, the call on the college campus that you in particular were talking about, I um, was in my early 20s. I was working as a commercial photographer um, and I was, you know, in a season where I was really intensely seeking for God, you know, God looks for us and then we go back and, and we look for God and it's this never ending, beautiful relational loop of call and response. But I was just, I think, earnestly seeking God and was asking for direction and realizing that God was moving in my life and wanting to respond, but not sure what that was going to look like. (laughs) Right. Right. And you had been brought up in, I would say, a a traditional church background. And um, as I remember it and, but still circuit searching because it wasn't really, Mm -hmm. I think you said to me, um, you were ha- you had had some intense experiences with God, and yeah. that's not what you were finding when you went to church and did no. the regular, yeah. Well, and to you know, just to jump into, I think what I was going through before that call in my early twenties was just really severe cognitive dissonance because I, you know, I grew up, you know. And I've been since thankful to find context for these experiences in, you know, Catholic mystic writings and whatnot. But I had grown up having visions of the face of Jesus and, you know, hearing his voice and, you know, just having an intense experience of his love and warmth and closeness. And then, you know, I would go to church with my family and, I knew I was seeing Jesus and I knew they were talking about Jesus, but something was just not lining up about what I was experiencing and what was being said. And so, you know, in order to survive in an environment like that, you have to have some level of mental assent to what's being taught. Or, you know, if you question it, it's better to push it back down sometimes. Um, you know, if you're a child, it's, it's really hard to, to rumble and roar though. Goodness knows I've done my share of that, (laughs) but, um, you know, I, uh, you know, I remember, um, I remember one time my, my parents, we were having an intense theological discussion and I, they told me that God just wanted, um, he just wanted our sacrifice and, I quoted, I believe it's out of the book of Micah, uh, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And that conversation (laughs) did not end well. Came to a halt, probably. And how old, (laughs) roughly, how old were you then? I think that was high school. Um, But, you know, I I think I've always kind of had a little rumble and roar. Um, But for the most part, you know, I just... 
when I was actually, I, I left the Christian faith and started deconstructing within a Buddhist framework because I was so tired of, of not knowing Jesus in a church environment. And the only desire of my heart was to have him, to know him, to be with him. And I had so much cognitive dissonance that I couldn't, I couldn't merge the two. And so, you know, I was, you know, seeing the face of Jesus, his, his beautiful loving hands, his eyes, his big Middle Eastern nose. I just, he, he is a beautiful person and then was being told something entirely different about him. Um, and that was, I, I had an encounter with Jesus in my early twenties and finally like something just broke. And I was like, I'm just going to pursue him. I'm going to pursue his presence over what anybody else says about him I have to know him I have to have him for myself so that that was probably larger context right so that you drew your own line in the sand Mm -hmm. and just to people listening for me here's someone Abigail who really was having mystical experiences that I guess, just came to you even as a young child and then had to work through them or try to understand them or deal with them on your own because, and to no fault of anybody's, it's just the way it unfolded, right? But but it's interesting too, Abigail, because when I talk to people about calls that come to all of us, you know, we talk about, well, where did they come from? And so we say, well, it could be from just your family, kind of how things happened and, or it could come from your, what, your subconscious. We we talk about, we never really say, most people that I talk with don't say, they come from God and it's refreshing to just say, yeah, that's absolutely, I think so too. And I think what I often mm-hmm. say is it comes from your soul. And, mm-hmm. and um, I guess that would be the same thing. But so, okay, so let me keep leading you in your story, if you would let me. Oh, absolutely. So here you are. Wizard sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Onward. Um, so here you are having these experiences having to break out from what your family had given you as the church background, um, exploring Buddhist beliefs and, and trying to, I guess, put this in context yourself, but then drawing that line and saying, okay, he is real. I've experienced this. I'm going to go with it wherever it takes me. And so then you're on this college campus and walking around, I think it was kind of late at night. Mm -hmm. And what happened then, Abigail? Well, I, uh, I was just 
hearing his voice in just the clearest manner possible. And um, he was just saying the, the kindest, nicest things to me, like speaking to my identity and who I really was. And, you know, it's just when, when, when you've got God's voice, it sounds like just pure love. And it sounds like, um, you know, a, a grounded, rooting, building, identity forming sound. And, you know, I, I was just sitting there listening to all these lovely things. And I was like, wow, like, I'm, I feel like I'm hearing you so clearly. And I feel like I've, I've got you, I've got you, like you're here with me, you know? And um, I, I was walking on a college campus and, um, you know, I, in addition to the lovely things, you know, I felt like God was speaking to me about laying certain things down, like putting things aside. And I was like, this is an interesting conversation we're having. And, you know, then I go into, um, it was a Christian university close to where I live. And I went into their um, seminary building that has a little chapel in it. And it's open at all hours. And I just, you know, went and laid down on the floor. It was like 11 o'clock at night or something. Um, and I just, I heard the voice say, you're going to get your MDiv in this building. And I'm like, what is an MDiv? And so then I'm just like Googling, like I just like roll over and got off, got my phone out, you know, it's super spiritual. And like, you're like, let me just like grab my phone. (laughs) Googling while God is talking to her. Okay. (laughs) Right. It's pretty much our dynamic, (laughs) but um, I, you know, I, it says that it's a master of divinity. And I was like, and then that's when the argument started. I was like, why do I need to get this? What, what, what is it about this? Like, I, I'm so sorry. I'm a photographer. I'm a business person. And I felt like the voice said, you know, a photographer and a business person with a theology degree, what a lovely, wonderful idea. And I was like, and then I, <laughs> And then I said, well, I don't need a theology degree because I have your spirit inside of me. And that's when I heard God laugh. Mm. Very, it was, it was a chuckle. And then he just didn't say anything. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the only part of the story that the, uh, the seminary professors really believed. They were like, ah, yes, God is right. <laughs> you know? um, but then, you know, there were a couple other things, you know, I just, um, I was like, but, you know, you called, I feel like you're calling me to go all over the world. Like, why, why do I need a theology degree? Um, and I f- felt like you said, you know, it's a gift to other people who maybe have, you know, maybe they, you take this sort of thing for granted, um, but some people just won't. And for those people, it will be a gift to them, whether you see it as a gift or not. I was like, I stand corrected. And then, and then at that point, I'm like having like this realization from my Google search that this is a three-year degree program and how bad I don't want to go do a really hard degree for three years. So then 
I think I can run, which is like never a good idea, but I stand out up and start leaving the room. And like that voice just keeps following me. And I was like, oh my goodness. And so I, I get down to my car and I sit there and I say, well, I'm not going to pay for it. And I hear, don't worry about it. It's on me. Huh. And, and I would say it was probably, we're talking a hefty amount <laughs> to pay for it. Hefty-ish, yes. <laughs> okay. So don't worry, it's on me. Uh-huh. All right. So I'm just, you know, while I've got him, you know, I'm just like, so where am I supposed to do this? Because, you know, there's two universities in town that offer this degree. And he was like, it, for me, he was like, I want you to go to the seminary um, that I, I had been laying on the floor there. It was like, get your MDiv in this building. And so I just went to the dean. His name is Dr. Frank Gurton. And he always lets me make the, um, let me be frank with you joke. Um, but <laughs> so, you know, he's got to be all right. <laughs> so I, I just send him an email and I'm like, I'm thinking about coming to your program. Can we sit down and talk? And so, you know, just the sweetest, most pastoral man. We're sitting in his office and I was like, I don't really want to do this degree program. And I don't have anything to lose here. So Abigail, did you did you tell him that God had had made the suggestion? And how did he react to that? I told him the whole story. (laughs) Voice from heaven and all. And I was like, I was like, do you have any money? Like, (laughs) and he just like looked at me with his frank wisdom and he said, let's just. He says, ah, I see. Yes, you're putting out a fleece before the Lord. Yes, you're you're testing the Lord. And I'm like, I'm not testing the Lord. I'm just testing this word because I don't want to go to seminary. (laughs) And he said, well, let's just let's just hold it with an open hand, which used to be my least favorite phrase and is starting to become my more favorite phrase. But he was like, let's just hold it with an open hand. And what did he mean by that? Like, let's just see what happens kind of thing? Pretty much. Um, So he was like, let's, you know, you have this word, like, let's let it sit in your hand and see if it lands or if it flies away, you know, don't clench on tightly to it and don't drop it either. You know, you just let it rest in your hand and like wait on the Lord, like wait on God to move this on your behalf or not. Like, don't try to force anything. Don't try to, um, don't try to run away either because that usually doesn't work, you know, just sit with it. Okay. So then what happened? Well, we sat with it for two months and they gave me a full ride scholarship. Wow. And, um, you know, and I, I told Frank, I was like, I'm not going unless I get a pretty clear sign. Um, and that was pretty much the writing on the wall. You know, I think I paid about, I think it was somewhere between two and $4,000 the, for the first year, just as like a good faith. And then I paid for my books and housing and whatnot throughout. So I worked full time. But um, yeah, the tuition was completely and totally free. 
Wow. And at the same time, you were being a photographer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> yeah. What was that like then for you? Was it, how did that come together, the, the work and what you were studying? Well, um, I had to make some changes. Um, I had been um, shooting weddings and um, I, you know, weddings are on weekends. I, it was a hybrid design course for working adults because most people that were in the program are pastors full time. So, um, you know, I was just thinking of how to like make this work because I'm required to go full time for the scholarship. Like they want that investment shown for me, like they're showing this great favor and grace to me and they want me to show it to them too. And so I, um, you know, it's just, I feel like God was there every step of the way. And, you know, one day I, um, I saw like one of those visions of Jesus again. And he, I was sitting on the sofa in my office and he came in and sat next to me and he said, would you give up this branch of your business for me? And it was, you know, it was a big part of my income at the time. And I did. And then another part of my business grew to where it was sustaining me with much less effort and work. And I'm like, give it up for you. Like, <laughs> No question, huh? Yeah, but it was it was a trust thing because I had to say no to something that I, in my mind was paying the bills. Right, right. And so, and it, that thing was not paying my bills. Like his grace and faithfulness were paying my bills because I've given my life to him. And that's what he does for people. Right. That's who he is. Right. That's okay. the message of everybody's searching for abundance. Um, it's not in those places that we think it's more in letting go and trusting however you see God. Um, I'm wondering if anybody, any of your fellow students, did ever anybody question you and doubt you and say, oh, sure, Abigail, right. Yeah. You're heard God and, you know, or did they, Mm. Well, um, <laughs> I didn't really tell that story a whole bunch in seminary because um, it's, uh, you know, there's the story of Joseph in the Bible that has this cool dream about this crazy favor on his life. And then he tells his brothers and they throw him in a pit and sell him into slavery. <laughs> Okay. He's you didn't want that, that to happen. Yeah. I was like, I like to skip the pit and like <laughs> the mob. Thank you. But um, no, but as you were talking, you know, I, I expected that, you know, I'm very like in Christianity. I probably fall more into a mystic bucket, but I also believe in the power and presence of God to work miracles and to heal bodies. I've experienced some of that healing myself. I experientially believe it to be real. And, um, you know, also, um, so I thought, you know, I'm going into the seminary, they're going to reject me based off of this. Like I had this list of things that I thought I was going to be rejected off of. I'm female. It's a very traditional 
school and um, I, I thought I was going to be rejected. I walked in believing I'm going to be misunderstood and rejected. And I asked God, you know, what do I do about this? Like, and he said, you know, you have two options. You can hide who you are, or you can just have fun with this. And so I, I just didn't hide. And it was one of the best experiences of, you know, approaching people with different beliefs. You know, we had people that were Catholics, Methodists, even atheists in our program, and just walking in and being like, this is who God is for me. This is who I believe he can be for you. And, you know, I had people come to like do prayer ministry for my classmates, like all sorts of fun things. And, but um, there's, there was one incident where, and I had the most, I just, you know, I felt like I was being pastored and poppered and loved on by these men that I thought were sure to reject me. And they just, that father wounding in me just started to heal. So I say all this with that as a preface, but I remember, ironically, it was a minor prophets class. It was in the spring of 2020, right as I was finishing up and I was sitting there and I'm pretty snarky, especially when I don't agree with things. And so I'll kind of like, it's not one of my better qualities, but it is funny. So I kind of like made like a little side swipe at some theology and one of the professors just looked at me and he said, what are you doing here Hmm. in the middle of class? Like, why are you here? And like, I'm at the tail end of a three year, I gave everything to this. I'm not even sure why I'm here. And it just, it just deeply hurt. And, you know, I, I understand where he was coming from. I understand, you know, he's surrounded with students that have like a clear plan and I just didn't, and I couldn't articulate a plan. And, you know, at the same time, you know, I, was raised in a tradition where women were not allowed to preach or even in my family pray aloud at meals. Um, Yeah. And so basically I felt rejected by that. But then two weeks later, a different professor, when I preached my first sermon, he pulled me aside and he said, you have such a gift of preaching and just, he was like, he just poured into me and like, right. He was like, I know you don't know why you belong here, but you do. Mm. And, you know, even in those moments when somebody pushes their hurt, their confusion, their whatever onto you uh, and Lord knows I was stirring him up, but um, (laughs) I, you know, even in those moments, you know, God is still faithful to bring comfort and encouragement, even through other people. So that, that was the one instance I can think of, but it was an overwhelmingly positive experience. um, And I wasn't expecting it to be. (laughs) No. And so, and so there you were, and you graduated, and you're still doing your photography work and again traveling everywhere to do it I mean anybody just needs to look at your website 
Um, I know you're traveling soon to Romania. Um, so how, how did that three years change, transform how you do your work or yeah. did it? Yeah, I think, um, you know, um, there was a, well, I think in the two years since almost two years since I've been out, I actually got very sick at the tail end of it and wound up having to physically rebuild my body. Um, I went on a mission trip right at the end of it for two months and just ended in some kind of like bizarre pile of symptoms that I had to walk out of very slowly with nutrition and, um, try to regain physical stability. Um, so I think that's been a huge part of the journey, but even with, um, you know, I was just talking about this with somebody at coffee yesterday and it's like, I think that how it changed how I do my work is that it reminded me that I am called no matter what my season looks like and love and compassion and pastoral care and you know hearing from God are it's supposed to be normal everyday parts of life and um before before any I see the fruit of that season pouring out of me into other people I have been tasting and eating of it myself because it just gave me such an opportunity to rewire and rework how I did theology to remove shame mm -hmm. from theology, mm -hmm. um, to remember the goodness of God and to build a solid historical, cultural, sociological approach to scripture and context and to through scripture to understanding these experiences I was having with God hmm. even more deeply. And, you know, I just, if you want to hear me like <laughs> talk for three hours and like cry and like stare into space and get really weird. I mean, you know, just let me talk about Jesus resurrection because that was the thing I meditated on in seminary. And that was the thing I got such an appreciation for and, just believing in that physical resurrection of Christ and what that means for our bodies now and forever for, you know, if you call on him, that, that beautiful resurrection power is there. And um, that for me to have the tremendous at the time, it seemed like a burden for me to follow this call because it seemed like, a rabbit trail and a wild goose chase. It was actually an incredible gift to me. And it took me two years to realize how much I needed to be there because I needed what they were pouring into me. Uh -huh. And it's, I think we forget that calls are just as much for us as they are for other people. Right. I think you're, and I'm sure you're going to keep understanding better and better how what it did for you to respond mm -hmm. to that i'm also thinking that god was really smart <laughs> because <laughs> because so many people go to church to get 
to hopefully hear from God or connect with God. And, and, and I think many people can find it there. And, but boy, I think the vast population of humanity doesn't go and doesn't get it. And so here you are out in the world interacting with so many people with all of this inside of you, um, which I don't believe you have to preach a sermon for people to get that, that love and that message that, um, Mm -hmm. that God brings. And so, yeah, so it, it does do what God told you that it would merge really well with photography, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. But Abigail, tell me, because so much what you talk about on your website, and it's so evident in your work, you talk about light. And so what what would you want to say about that? Help us understand your focus on light. Mm-hmm. I um I I see things. I <laughs> and you know that's a cheesy thing for a photographer to say, but it's the truest thing for me that um you know I I um I started this personal project um back in September 2021, where I revisited all these old houses and where I had grew up and I'm calling it all the places that I have lived. And I just took this old film camera and I just studied the light so much as a child that I would just watch it like filter through the blinds and the windows. You know, I almost always lived near trees or near a forest. Um, And so there would be just these beautiful light patterns that would um, that would interplay. And every time I look for a new place to live, I look at the light and I know I won't be staying long if it doesn't have good light, but um, I, there's this verse in um, one of the John epistles and it says, God is light and in him, there is no darkness at all. And I think I see God in, sunlight and in patterns and I also see um his presence and love in people and um so for me you know I I have these really clear somatic memories from all the places that I've lived of the way the light moves and touches and creates memories but I also um I see light in people and I like to look for it because it's there and sometimes it's only there in really dark places and sometimes you have to dig for it a little bit and pull back the curtains but it's still in people so I um yeah I just I I like to look for it I see it in people's eyes I see it in their smiles I see it even in quiet moments of contemplation and um like you said I I, we have light in our souls and um, when you can draw out more of the soul of a person with their permission and with their trust and cooperation and consent, it creates these really beautiful images that reflect those light beams everywhere. Mm. And, um, you know, I've, 
worked in advertising, not because I just so love capitalism, um, but because I think that advertising is a powerful medium to enact change. It's designed to be seen by thousands and thousands of people. And when I think companies, when they get behind things that have light in them, it reflects that light onto them as well. And it's of a benefit to them, but it's also of a benefit to society to tell stories that are really beautiful about people that, um, that deserve to be seen and deserve to have those little bits of light in their soul come to the surface. So that's my little soliloquy on light. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do a lot of reading about mystical experiences and people who have mm -hmm. written about it. And mystics will say that when they're having an intense what encounter with God that they look and it's like light is coming off of everything. There is light coming from every plant, from people. Um, if we could see with the eyes of God, we would be able to see that. And so, you know, I certainly yeah. think oh, you've, well, you've got, that's part, I think of your love for the light. I do think it, it, it is God too. Um, so I'm going to ask you one more question. Okay. And, you know, so it has to do with the question I ask everybody is, is what would you like to leave people with if they only remember one thing, but I'm, I'm putting a little bit of a tweak to it because, yeah, so I'm wondering, so here's, I'm talking to somebody who has had the benefit of conversing with God. And I'm wondering, what would God want us to know now? How, what would God want us to know from you? That's a lovely question. I think, um, I think when I think about that question, I feel an intense feeling of love and burning desire for people. And then I just hear the phrase come close. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's just an invitation to come close. And the Bible says, if you draw close to him he will draw close to you so to me that tracks but just feel this burning sense of love and desire and I think a feeling of um, people being so incredibly loved and seen and welcome that they belong mm. and that they are precious and cherished right where they are, mm. that they are welcome in his kingdom, which has often seemed so off limits because of the things that we've heard, but that they are so welcome and wanted and, um, 
Yeah. And I think <laughs> what I would say <laughs> would be that um, it's asking him to speak and asking him to be with you is the single best and most dangerous thing you could ask because he will answer in some way. Right. And it's, test him out. He, he will. So worth it. Right. Worth so it. If you accept that mes- message to come close and you work on it, and I would say probably through prayer, meditation, however you would go within and try to connect with God, you're saying, Okay, hold on to your hat. (laughs) We'll all be going to seminary or something. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Probably not, but (laughs) something we will. So, yeah, I will get it. There will be somebody answering and sending a message back to our request. Yeah. Yes. He's, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's beautiful and better than you ever hoped for, mm. more beautiful than you can imagine, more worth it, mm. the least religious, the most loving. There's not an ounce of pride in him. Mm. There's so much mercy and grace and humility runs all through him. He's, yeah. he's worth it. And as you and I were talking just before we got on and about my research and study of the sacred feminine, yes. and you, I think, would agree with me that we don't have to see God as a he, that God is both a he and a she and has the feminine as well as the masculine. So for people listening and having a hard time with just thinking, <laughs> we're not intending that, you know, it's just how Abigail has experienced and seen Jesus as a masculine. Yeah. 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 There's a, there's a lot of attributes of God that are mother-like and I, um, yeah, I, I think, um, one of the, um, most powerful encounters I had with with Jesus was um, reading in the book of John when the women go to the tomb and they're the first to see him resurrected and he you know I so deeply resonate with that story and um, you know I think one of the things that God has done in my life has been to teach me that what people say about women is not ultimately what he says about women Mm. and um, that my value doesn't come from what people say about women. It comes from what God says about women. (laughs) Right. 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 I'm, I'm, you know, seminary old fashioned enough to use that. He is a genderless child. And I know that about you. And I just wanted to say it out loud. I got so, into my travel writing papers that way. So that was a good call out. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. I'm sure. So Abigail, I, 
I'm I'm thinking too that you haven't really shared this story a lot with the the no. public. And so I am I'm honored that you would share it with me. And I feel oh. like it's interesting. I was gonna say I feel like I've just been to church, but it's um what a thing to be able to have a conversation with somebody who has had such a deep, real experience with divinity, with God. And, and I'm, I don't know, I'm in a great place because of it. So thank you. And I know that people listening will also feel what I'm feeling, which is the joy and an elation that there's really something there. And to your point, yes. reach out, come close. Um, and we need yeah. this now so much. Yeah. So I have yeah. to let you go. What an honor to be with you and um, just to hear, to watch your calling as, you know, a mother, not in a at any age we can be mothers and but just to be someone that leads and nurtures and digs into and guides and shows a way forward and um I just believe that this is going to be one of the richest decades of your life and well thank you I just believe for fruition to come forth from everything you've planted and done and Hmm. it's just springing forth of every of every old thing that was buried for it to come into full bloom and to be evident to everyone around you. So thank you so much for just for your time and just for welcoming me to tell what, what is pretty much a wild story. (laughs) It's a wild and beautiful one, a beautiful one. So have a wonderful journey on your next trip and i'm just counting that i'm going to get to see you and talk to you again so thank you and thank you to everyone listening and i encourage you to keep joining me and listening to these podcasts and i'll look forward to seeing you again too thank you for listening to the podcast for real life heroines with Susanna liller We're so glad you've joined us and would love to connect with you outside of the show. To find more about Susanna and how she can assist you in your heroine story, go to SusannaLiller.com forward slash blog or find us on social media and YouTube by searching Susanna Liller. You can also email us directly at Susanna at SusannaLiller.com. We'd love to hear from you. To be encouraged and inspired outside of the show and blog, check out You Are Heroine, a retelling of the hero's journey written by your host and coach, Susanna, available on Amazon. Until the next time, be well, heroine.